they've been planning, but last minute, we're told, obviously, because of the baby. So they're prepared, but give them grace. <laughs> um, and I'm excited because it's two key women of our church. And I think that's important. And the first one is Olivia. So let's welcome Olivia. Thank you. Good morning, church. How are we? Hey, babies don't wait, do they? <laughs> Wowee. No, this is exciting. I'm really excited, um, I guess, to share what's on my heart. Hill and I have had dinner and talked about um, this morning's service and just really planned, I guess, what God's been doing in us and how that can then filter through and help you guys because we've been speaking about family and we're family and we're, we're here to do life. We're here to share. We're here to be open. I'm probably a little bit too open. Um, <clears throat> But I really believe that God wants to speak through us this morning. So let's pray, eh? God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you, Father, that you have something to say. We thank you, Lord, that this morning's about encouragement. This morning is about just partnering with you and, and partnering with one another, God, just through all that life throws at us. Father, I pray that our hearts will be open, God, our ears to hear what you were saying to us personally and corporately, Father. In your name we pray, amen. All right, I'm going to get really real with you guys, and I hope that that is okay. You can talk. I won't get offended. <laughs> um, okay, I'm just going to get straight into it. I've got a bit to spit out, so um, I'm just going to explain to you. Hill and I, we are, we're sharing about a core belief that this church has and how it's affected our life. Because we hear about it, we know the vision, we know the core beliefs, but it's really different when we've got to start to wor work that out in our lives and how it applies to us. So we have chosen to speak this morning on God is good. Amen? God is good. It's really, it's really easy to say God is good when life is good. Oh, God is good. Praise the Lord. Oh, good morning. How are you? Oh, God is good. He's so great. He's so wonderful. And then when life throws stuff at us and it gets a little bit messy, that's when it really starts to test and really starts, I guess, to know what's on the inside of us, where our foundation is, where our, I guess, our theology is with it all, that starts to bubble around. And the last four years, I have had quite a journey at getting to know what I really believe and how I see it outworked in my life. So I'm going to share with you um, what the last four years have looked like. Now, like I said, there's a bit to get through with this story part, so excuse me while I look at my notes and just go for it. All right, let's just start with, if you don't know me, I'm a mum of three. I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old. They're tiring. They're beautiful. But my goodness, they need prayer. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> um, but they have come with all of their own challenges. Uh, four years ago, we had beautiful Willow, uh, and it, from the get-go, it was tough. Um, labor, labor was tough, turned into an emergency cesarean. Willow came out not breathing, had to be resuscitated. The cord was around her neck. So that was an interesting start to motherhood and parenthood. So that's quite scary. Um, and then with Willow, we journeyed for a bit and we got to about 14 months and we realized, oh, she doesn't really move. She doesn't crawl. She's not walking. She's happy. She's sitting up, but she's not moving. So we went and saw a paediatric physio who said, oh, this is a bit different. Uh, she had a look at Willow for about three months and said, I'm really sorry. I don't know what's going on with her. I don't know why and I don't know how to help. So that was, that was also um, fun. So then we were referred to a uh, paediatrician. The paediatrician did a physical exam on Willow and she discovered that Willow has low muscle tone, which was an answer to a lot of things that were going on, which is good. But, however, she also discovered that Willow had a heart murmur with that physical examination. So she said, you need to go down to Monash, we'll book you in for an appointment and we'll just get that looked at. It doesn't sound too bad, you'll be fine. Um, best to get it checked. So we went down to Monash and we had it checked and uh, at that appointment we looked at her heart murmur and it's quite a low-grade murmur, which is good. But we also discovered that Willow has five heart abnormalities as well. So that was a little bit hard to take. Um, you know, first child, you're scared anyway. 
and then you've got a doctor saying you've got a child who's got heart issues um, and we just didn't know what that was going to look like and we didn't know what what was going to happen to be honest um, so from that we then had checkups every two to three months to see the condition of her heart and as she grew if those abnormalities would change if so we would have to go straight into surgery but we were lucky enough that the first couple of appointments came back all good but then Willow got a little bit restless she fought a little bit she's a little bit like her mother a little bit strong-willed a little bit feisty and she didn't really cooperate so we um, would go into a Monash have appointments failed appointments failed scans because we couldn't settle her um, so we decided that sedation was the best way to go about it. So they handed me the sedation and said, you've got to pin her down, shoot it up her nose and we'll knock her out. So that again, being her mum, wasn't the best thing, going, it's okay, darling, and trying to force it up her nose. Um, that failed. We weren't able to get another reading, so they booked a CT scan. We came in for a CT scan, had to get a line in her um, arm to shoot some dye up. Nine hours later, still wasn't in. Every doctor in Monash tried. She fought and she fought and she fought. So they finally said, right, MRI scan. Let's just lock it in. Knock her out. General, I said, yes, knock her out. Let's do this. <laughs> Sorry, Willow, but two seconds of pain and you'll be fine. We were able to get a thorough uh, picture of her heart and we were able to see where we're at. They were able to take some blood samples and do some genetic testing on her as well to see if anything else was in the mix of things. And then we were called back into the doctor's office for a review. Mind you, I was four days off giving birth to Hunter. So I waddle in. And we'd been to many of these appointments where he would say, monitor, monitor, monitor. And he looked at me and he opened up the appointment with, I think we have to do open heart surgery. And I thought, oh, wow, this is a good meeting for Michael to be at work. <laughs> wow. And then he just explained that there were a few things going on with her results and it was best to cut her open, stop her heart, anyway, um, do all that. And that was tough to take, um, to kind of work through. And I guess we were at the mercy of doctors. We didn't really know what... We're not trained professionals, so you sort of go along with what they say in trust. And he said, before we go ahead with anything, we have to speak to the board at Royal Children's Hospital, get everyone in agreement, and then we go ahead. So we prayed for no agreement. <laughs> no, Lord, please. Like, I'm just being honest. God, I don't want surgery. You're our healer, 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 healer. And we got a call back saying, the decision is Willow is clinically stable, so we will not go ahead with surgery. We will monitor. So that was a relief. You know, having a two-year-old going to major surgery wasn't what we really wanted. So then Michael and I decided that we would say thank you and goodbye to Monash and go privately with Royal Children's Hospital where we have found an amazing heart specialist. And we now walk into our appointments. We had one maybe three weeks ago and Willow walks in and she's like, oh. like mind you, we used to sedate her, pin her down, kicking, screaming, praying, God, please, let's get a result. She walks in, oh, this is a lovely bed. <laughs> she climbs up, oh, look at the colours on the wall. This is so beautiful. And we're like, Willow, we're going to do the test now. And she lay back and put her arms out. And I'm like, quick, do it now, do it now. Willow, I've got some chocolate for you. Look at the chocolate. So praise God, um, there is no change in her heart condition, which is good. Not the result that I'm after. I'm pressing, pressing in for full healing. But it's not changing, so we're just observing. And our two to three um, monthly appointments are now annually. So that is a good report. But in saying all that, at the same time, she's still, you know, she's got a gross motor delay. So we are having regular appointments with her heart specialist. We now have an occupational therapist, a new pediatric physio, a pediatric chiro, a caseworker from early childhood intervention services, a speech therapist, because that was just another thing we had to deal with, and we're still working with her pediatrician. We were also told that we need to if we were happy to, look into testing for autism with Willow. So that's something that's got a question mark over it. That's something that we will look into eventually, but it's just another thing um, that's going on in our journey. 
So Hunter's born. Yay, my miracle, my answer to prayer, Lord, my karma of the storm. Thank you for Hunter. No, that's not him. He's lovely, but he cried for a year nonstop. He screamed and he screamed and he screamed. Bless his soul. (laughs) And it took uh, the doctors a year to work out that what they thought was reflux was actually a really, really bad uh, uh, dairy allergy. He also had a reaction to peanuts, which was uh, an interesting warning. So we now carry around an EpiPen for him wherever we go. So he's anaphylactic. But praise God, we went back for our allergy testing and he's now been healed of his dairy allergy. Amen. And then along came little Scout. I said, okay, God, third time's charm. <laughs> Come on. I've done a lot of praying, a lot of begging, <laughs> a lot of declaring over him. And he's not an allergy baby, praise the Lord. If you have an allergy baby, I really feel for you because it is horrible. It is tough work. Um, so no allergies, praise God. We went to our four-week checkup with... Um, with Scout, and the doctor said, oh, and I looked at her, and I was like, go on, go on, lay it down, that's fine, I can take it, they said, oh, he has a really small fontanelle, I said, oh, that's fine, and they said, not really, (laughs) uh, if it closes, so the fontanelle is this little bit (laughs) on um, their head, and as their head grows, it starts to kind of close in the first year or so, Um, They said, we need it to stay open so his brain can keep growing. So if it closes too soon, we are going to actually have to operate on his head. I said, oh, I just laughed. I said, that's funny. Um, It's not going to happen. So praise God, all looks good and all is okay with Scout. So that's our life. That's our journey. The last four years, it's been a little bit different and it's been testing. And I really had to, I guess talk with God and journey with him, ask him hard questions and the beauty of it is he's not scared of questions. He's not scared of you saying, hey God, why? You're meant to be a good God. I come here and I sing about it. I come here and my head says, yeah, you're good, but right now, this isn't good. What's going on? And so I've had to, I guess, grow with him and journey through him and trust him through the last four and a, four or so years, and I have discovered that he really is a good God. And it was a lot of hard work and sweat and tears, but I want to share with you how I got to this point because it had to be more than just me saying, oh, God's good, for it to feel like God's good. Um, all right, so this is what I did. I'm a very practical person. Um, I used to play basketball a lot, went over to the States, did all that with basketball, so training, doing, doing, you know, that got me, I guess, where I got to with basketball and through, and that's how I made up, I guess. Um, And so I said, right, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get myself there? Because right now, things are tough. So I got really, really practical. If God is good, I want to know about it. So I opened up the Word, and I said, God, I need to fill this with Stories about you being good. I need my negative thinking to be reversed. I need an attitude change because right now what I'm experiencing is starting to become my theology. And I know that my theology of you can't be based around my experience. Because we all go through storms. He says, you know, you're going to go through hardships. But I'm with you. Fear not because I have overcome. The victory is yours. So I started to read the word. Oh, the woman with the issue with blood. That's my favorite. She broke every rule to get her healing. So I grabbed that. I put that in my pocket. I said, okay, what's another one, God? Matthew 8, 1. Jesus came down from the mountainside. The leper met him and he said, hey, Jesus, if you're willing, heal me. And he said, I am willing. Be healed. And he was healed. I'll take that. Thank you. And so when I started to worry and when I started to panic, I started to remember who he has been, the cross. If that is not a symbol of God being a good God, I don't know what else is. So I started to go, hang on a minute, you've died for this. You sacrificed your son. And I'm a parent, I know what that would almost look like and I couldn't do that. 
you are a good, good God and I need to keep telling myself that. So I'll take that message, I'll write that on a stone like Justin's been talking about and I'll walk with that. So when it gets hard, I stop and I remember, no, you are good because this is what you've done. This is where we've been, this is where we're going and right now, even though it doesn't feel like it, I'm going to keep meditating on your goodness. I'm going to keep thinking about my breakthroughs. I write down the breakthroughs that I've experienced. I wrote down my testimonies. You know what I did in appointments? I remembered all of your breakthroughs. Honestly, I sat there and went, I remember when Jim got up the front and he was telling me about the lady that he prayed for at the school. I remember that and I started to get filled with hope and I started to expect that good things were coming my way because that is who he has proved himself to be. um, I'm just going to fly through these as well. Um, what else did I do? I had to stop blaming God for my season. I had to stop blaming him for what was happening. I had to change my attitude. I had to stop complaining. Quite simple. Change my complaints. Oh, God, this is not fair. Okay, it's not, but move on. I, I had to talk to myself like that. Olivia, move on. Turn it into good. So I'd get to an appointment. I'd sit down and go, right, this is not fair, but what am I going to do about it? Oh, a parent has just walked in with a child who looks like they're on their deathbed you know, perspective change, shift, and I just started to pray for that girl and intercede. We were in the hospital waiting for an MRI, and over the loudspeaker, uh, recessed to um, the child's ward or something three times. God, I just stand in that gap right now, and I intercede. I thought, if I wasn't here, who else would be praying for this person right now? Turn a negative into a positive. I started to ask people to stand with me, to pray with me, I started to text them. I got vulnerable. I said, this is what's going on. I need you to stand with me. And that really helped and encouraged. My biggest key to surviving the journey was, if I was going to walk through it, I needed to know who I was walking with. I needed to know this God. I needed to know his nature. I needed to know what he stood for and what to, I guess, expect from him. If he's the same yesterday, today and forever the good God that died for me on the cross, that died for Willow on the cross, that took away all of our sin, all of our insecurities. He, he paid it all. If he's good back then, then he is good today. Okay. I just want to touch on your testimonies again. Because really, I don't think we understand how powerful it is. Your testimony became my testimony. I remember praying for someone on the side of the road and they had an issue with their knee. And I remembered I was watching Bethel testimonies on uh, Facebook and I was able to say, oh, one of my friends, uh, they had an issue with their knee during the week. Like this was the testimony I was watching, but I was like, yeah, you're family, we're Christians. Same God, we're family, I'll take it. My friend, they got breakthrough with their knee, so let me pray for your knee as well. And so I was able to take that testimony and say, hey, God, do it again. And God did it again. Please, if you are comfortable, let's do life together. Let's be vulnerable. Let's open up and let our test that soon becomes our testimony start to come out and we share it with who's going, who's here and we can help each other out. I remember being in the mother's room and the mum came to me and she said, I'm really nervous, Olivia, because my son's having an MRI during the week. I said, hey, I've been there. And it's really, really okay. It's okay to be scared, but I did it, and it wasn't that scary. And she said, oh. And we were able to talk, and I was able to share what I had experienced. I got really practical, and I started following people like Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton, the Bethel Worship Team, Healing Rooms, Graham Cook, Justin Stockman, the whole lot. I started following them on Instagram. So when I was reading something throughout the day, It was backing up what I was trying to build in my life. I was reading about a God who was healing here, testimonies here, but I was also reading about it over in America, and I thought, hang on, there's a bit of consistency happening. He is constantly a good, good God. So I need to take that, and I need to start thinking about that. All right. James, I love this verse. James 1.17, have verses that you pull out as well. In moments you go, God, I need you. Oh, that's what the word says about this. We're good. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father who does not change like shifting shadows. 
How good is that? Oh, God, you are constant. God, you are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. And that was what I had to say over and over again. You're not going to shift on me. I'm not going to have to go, oh, where did he go? Where is God in all this? Oh, you're good. You don't change. You are here and you were doing this with me. I'm not walking alone. I want to finish off with um, this little picture, if you like. Hill, if you could come up, please. We're going to stand up here. This was also another big thing. At the start of the four years, I, just being honest, I viewed God as someone who was, you know, sitting up in heaven looking down and, oh, you're suffering. That's not good. I'm here. You'll be right. It's okay. Got you back. Like, honestly. And I was like, I remember fighting and yelling at God, going, where are you? Like, when this is going on and I've got a child that I'm pinning down, where are you? Because this is not the God that I'm singing about. And this picture of of me and God was not right. And it was stopping me from building this foundation of God is good. It was stopping me of seeing him as this God because I had a wrong picture of who he was. So I saw on um, one of the the people, Bethel, that I was following on Instagram, I saw this little clip came up and it completely changed my view of God and us in a battle. And... The psalm is Psalm 16, and it talks about how God is at our right hand. Hey, God. So we're battling. God's at our right hand. Yeah, we can do this. It actually says, um, in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me, and because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. But then in verse 11, it says that we are at his right hand. So I'm thinking, hang on a minute. God's at my right hand. We're going into battle. But then I'm, hang on, I'm at his right hand. So is this whole like tension and this shifting and we're trying to work out, we're doing this dance of, hey God, I'm here. No, I'm here. I'm the boss. You're like, where are you? This is what it looks like for God to be at our right hand and for us to be at his right hand. (laughs) This is how we journey with God. Thank you young lady. This is how we journey. When you are going through heartache, when you are going through grief, when you're going through good times, when you're going through bad times, when you are praising him, when you are thanking him, when you are on your knees and you're crying and you don't know what to do, that is where he is. He is standing and he's looking at you and he's saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Let's do this together. You're not on your own. I'm walking with you. I don't leave you. Like I think about me being a parent and what, how I am with my kids. Oh my goodness, I would never leave them when they're in strife. Like I'm that crazy mum that just picks them up and grabs them. Like, I'll oh, do it. Come on, let's do this together. How much more is he to us? So be encouraged, guys. In the good times, in the bad times, it doesn't matter. He is a good God. He is with you. He is for you. And he is constant he's consistent with his love and with his goodness thank you thanks Liv now let's see if I can get my laptop to work for me Who gave the barista a microphone, hey? (sighs) Liv and I caught up for dinner to talk about this because we were nervous. And I cried the whole way through it because we're talking about God is good and that's what I did, weeping in the restaurant, but, you know... We all experience trials, yeah, in our lives. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralised. We're perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, 
but not abandoned. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. We don't really have to wonder if we're going to experience trials in our lives. We're told to expect them. It's not God harming us. It's the very nature of the world in which we live. God is not trying to experiment with our faith and our love to find out their quality. He already knows them. It's us that need reminding. And every single person experiences trials, whether it be sickness or grief or mental anguish. I think we so easily gloss over, you know, mental illness or, or depression or negativity and the effect it can have on us. Um, the death of a loved one, break from family. Some of you probably feel like those trials will never end. That you may never get over it. So I'm going to weep for you now. No. <laughs> because we're talking about God is good. So I remember all the things in my life that he's done. And he promised in Isaiah that he's always going to be with us. You may go through deep waters, but I will be with you. You know that song we sing, Yes and Amen? When we first started singing it, I was like, all your promises are yes and amen. So what are they? Well, let me tell you, this is one. When you go through deep, through deep waters, I will be with you. Yes and amen. He will always be with us. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged. I will strengthen and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. And even when we go through trials, like when Liv was talking, God is still good. There is nothing we can possibly face in this life that will ever be evidence of the fact that God is not good. I am slightly obsessed with C.S. Lewis. He wrote a lot of Christian books in his time. One thing he said, a man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. He is always good and it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives though sometimes we might feel like we can't see it we might feel like we can't see it so I'm actually going to tell a story today from my life <laughs> let's see if I get through it no I will it's it's not the hardest thing I've gone through it's really not it's not the hardest thing I've gone through but it's the one that changed my reality and my perception of who God is in the trial and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three, I'm going to call them weapons, but I don't know what to call them, three weapons when you're going through the trial that you can refocus on God being good. Because that's what it's about. When we're in the trial, sometimes it might feel like we're drowning, like things are overwhelming us, like we can't get out. But it's about refocusing on the fact that God is good, that we refocus, that we look at his face. And there are so many times where, you know, I haven't felt like I could even look him in the face. But these are the tools that bring me out of that. So, about five years ago, I started to notice that one side of my glands was quite big. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Now, I'm not a worrier about sickness. I tend to just let it go. So, um, I left it for about a month. And then over the month, it started to grow so much that people at work were like, are you a bit swat? Like, it's a bit swollen there. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I should go and get it checked. Um, so I went to my doctor. She sent me for a CT scan. And they found about 35 swollen lumps throughout one side of my neck. There are about, oh, I don't know, I can't remember, but an enormous amount of times what they should have been. They were huge. And so they thought, listen, it's probably just a swollen you know, you're probably just getting over something. So we'll send you off. That's a tiny bit worrying, but we'll send you off to the specialist. So off I went to the specialist. He wasn't too concerned. He really wasn't. He thought, listen, it's going to be fine, but what we'll do just to be safe is we're going to send you for a biopsy under CT scan on one of the lumps. So off I went. That's traumatic in itself, I tell you what, because there's like 20 people in the room, and you've got to hold still where they shove a needle in your neck. But anyway... Um, so 
I didn't really think much of it, so much to the point that I went to the follow-up appointment without Al. I just showed up, just had a biopsy, but I'll go. Um, and the specialist, when I came back in, completely different story. As soon as I sat down, he was like, we believe it's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of cancer. It affects young women. He talked to me through the treatment, chemo, radiation. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to book you in for chemo now, because this is what we believe it is. But we're going to check first that it hasn't spread to other parts of the body. So I went, he talked me through survival rates, all that stuff. It's good survival rate, PS. Um, so I went downstairs and got a scan, hadn't spread, was just localised here. So I had to call Al, I was booked in for surgery, emergency surgery in about two weeks. So what he said they were going to do is they're just going to, before they put me in for chemo, they're just going to check. But he said, I've seen this before and this is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay, let's go in for the check. So when I got home, I called Al at work, sorry Al. And when I got home, Al was already there and we were a mess, of course we were a mess. And Al bless you, Al. But he called me over to the couch and he said, right now, we declare this is not from God. This is not his plan for your life. The enemy is attacking you and we won't stand for it. We ask it to go now in Jesus' name. Now, we don't always have the best first reactions, but wow, Al, that was quite a great first reaction. And that's my first weapon, weapon number one for anyone going through trials because you will face them, declarations. Declarations actually align us with the truth of who God is. So right then when Al sat me on the couch, he aligned our lives and whatever was going on with the truth of who God is. Because sometimes declarations aren't just speaking over our lives, they remind us who he is and they remind us who we are right? So declarations unlock things in the spiritual world when we speak truth. They unlock things in the spiritual world. The full armor of God says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, Take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We aligned ourselves with truth. And when you're in trouble, start declaring the truth over your situation again and again and again. It doesn't matter what happens. Declare, declare, declare. By the time I got to the surgery, I had two massive lumps on the side of my neck. We declared. It didn't matter that it got worse. We declared and we declared and we declared because we knew that in the spiritual world, something unlocked when we spoke the truth. So, the third, moving on, the specialist told me he was going to cut into my neck like that. Not the best look. So, I was really not excited about that. Surgery is not something that makes me nervous, but that did make me nervous. By the time I got to the surgeries, I said I have two big lumps growing out the side of my neck. And I was like, okay, well, this is real. Like, there's something wrong. But you know what? God cares about the little stuff, doesn't he? Because instead of cutting across here, they just cut the lumps out. Because he cares about the little things. He knew I wouldn't want that. And while this looked terrible, it actually saved me from looking like I'd been a, a knifing victim for the rest of my life. Praise Jesus. And now you can't even see it because he cares about the little stuff. He's such a good father. And praise him forever. So Al and I then waited nervously two weeks for results. And Jenny, I'll get you to put the first image up. This is what we did in the two weeks. That's our thank you jar. That is the current state of our thank you jar. Every now and then we tidy up and it gets put in a cupboard and we kind of forget about it. But 
this is something we regularly add to. Lee and Justin taking over this church is a mess. We regularly add to our thank you jar. And that brings me to weapon number two, Thanksgiving. Man, it's so big. Thanksgiving is such a powerful weapon for the people of God. Man, because what do people do out in the world all the time? Complain, complain, complain. But we're not made up of complaining people. That's not who we are. Seriously, thank him. Thank him for everything, your friends, your family, everything, your children. Al and I regularly thank, and we're not always great at this, but we regularly thank God. If my car needs a service, we said, what if we couldn't afford it? Thank you, Lord, that we can afford to get my car serviced. One of the post-it notes in there I found while I was going through it, thank you that I could buy nice Christmas presents for my family. Thank him for everything. It will absolutely change your life. Get a jar, ask your kids. What are you thankful to God for? Put it in the jar. Put it in the jar. It's so important. And we do this not just in the hard times, we actually do it in the good times. We write it down all the time. Every week now, I'm asking myself, what am I thankful about this week? I got a new client in the jar. It's so big. And in April 2013, I got to put this in the jar. Jenny? Let's praise him for that. So I had to go through it and find that. I wrote that April 2013 and put it in the jar. No cancer. And when we were in the appointment, he said, I've seen your before shots before and they always end up in cancer. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He goes, I don't know what to tell you. He actually said to us, don't celebrate yet. There is something wrong with you. (laughs) Well, maybe. (laughs) Um, But we just ignored him, to be honest. They said, we think you have lupus. You might need, like, kidney stuff. No, evaporated. Every single thing they came up with to explain why I had a no cancer diagnosis after having those test results at the start, completely evaporated completely evaporated our lives lined up with the truth of who God is because we trusted him even with lumps coming out of my neck and the prospect of getting cut up like that we trusted God every single thing and then we went and got a CT scan at the end and I've actually got the report that says no visible swollen glands or something like that it is all gone I've got that because that's a testament to who he is. This thank you jar is the most powerful, one of the most powerful tools Al and I have in our arsenal to deal with life. They're our memorial stones. Like Justin was talking about a few weeks ago, they're our memorial stones. And do you know what we do when we face hard times? I dig through that. I get out my memorial stones. I pick up no cancer 2013. You know, I pick up financial victory 2014. I pick up reconciliation 2016. I get out my memorial stones. That's what we do. I cannot tell you how many battles we have won just out of that. Just out of that. Because we have realigned our thinking. When it feels like we're overwhelmed and we cannot get out of it, we go through our jar. We get out our memorial stones. It's not the last time we've heard the word cancer. That wasn't the last time. But I tell you what, that prepped me. Because when we faced something like that again, guess where we went? That's not happening. Because I've got a memorial stone. And Joshua 4 says, Then Joshua called 12 men from the people of Israel, who he had appointed a man from each tribe. 
And he said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel, a memorial forever. When Al and I, when our children ask us what this means, we're going to be able to show them years of faithfulness from, the God, from God, from our Father. All the stuff he got us out of. And I tell you what, you can't live in the wake of disaster. That's something we've realize there's been times over the last year you probably would have noticed me weeping on the front row about six months ago but there are times in the last year that we couldn't even reconnect the lyrics of the songs we were singing to what we were dealing with in our lives but we got out our memorial stones and we started thanking him for all the stuff he's done in our lives before we started declaring over our lives what he has done before We are not people to be rolled over. We're not a house of cards that fall because we've built our lives on imagination. We've actually built our lives on the most faithful thing in this world, the only person that can be trusted. That's who we've built our lives on. So when the trial comes, we don't collapse. You know why? Because he doesn't collapse. We get out our memorial stones, we declare and we thank him for all the amazing things he's done in our lives. And it's not about stopping the tears and it's not about stopping talking about it. It's about keeping him in focus, knowing who our God is, knowing who we are. We can't stay in the wake. While we claim the victory, we can't live there. We can't thrive there. We have to pick ourselves up and move on. We can't still be getting over trials from years ago. We've got to move on. I'm going to leave you with one scripture and I'll get the band up if I can while I'm doing this. It's Joshua 1.9. Be bold, be brave, be courageous. Because that's who we are as people. God was calling him up, was calling him up to be bold, to be brave and to be courageous. And I so desperately want to be this woman from Proverbs 31. She's clothed in strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. How good is that? Because when we live in the wake of our distru- in the wake of trials, it affects how we view the future. We're filled with anxiety, could this happen again? Is this who God is? Can he really protect me? But he can. He can. And the things we do to refocus. I might pray. I'm just going to pray. I'm not the first person in this room to hear the word cancer in a doctor's appointment. I'm not. There'd be a large number of people who've heard that and Liv's not the first person to have had health struggles with her children every one of us goes through trials every single one but it's remembering who we are and who he is when we go through them Heavenly Father you are a faithful God You are so good. Even when we go through trials and we feel like we can't see you, it doesn't change that you're good. It doesn't change that you're faithful. And we just praise you, God. We thank you for being our ever-present help in time of need. Because that's who you are. Yeah, I just want to um, just want to read out the description of our core belief. 
God is good. This is our anchor. Yeah, let's just look to him right now. Where you're at, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's messy, whether it's hurting, God is good and he's with you. And this is our anchor for every season in life. Joy and pain, victory and mess. God is a perfect father who loves and approves of us before we do anything. Being aware of his constant goodness and grace causes us to encounter his true nature and to be transformed. Can I encourage you this morning to go home and just to have a, have a think, a talk with God, where you're at. You know, does your, does your theology of God and, and who you really think his nature is, does it line up with his core beliefs? And it's okay if it doesn't, because mine sure didn't. My head was saying, yeah, God is good, but my heart was experiencing something different. And it was a journey that I had to go on to discover his true nature. Go home and, and have a think, you know, how do you best work through it? How do you discover his nature? Some people it might just be sitting in peace and quiet with him. Some people it will be reading the word, some worship. For some, his goodness is seen through remembering the things that he's brought us from and where he has taken us. Our victories, our breakthroughs, our testimonies, our prophetic words that we've received that gives us hope for what's to come. I really hope that you guys can journey with God and that your heart too will cry that God is good in all seasons and in all things, that he is our, an our anchor and our hope. Because when we believe that God is good, it radically changes what we expect is possible. In the first part of my season, I didn't expect anything good. Can I be completely honest with you? I didn't think Willow was going to live for very long. I thought that, you know, one day I would wake up and she would have passed away in her sleep because of complications with her heart. I didn't really see a future for her, and I know that sounds horrible, but that's where I was at. I didn't expect anything good because my experience wasn't showing me that anything good was happening. I was lost and I couldn't find this good God that I would sing about. But when we believe God is radically good all the time, consistently good, it changes our expectation. So when we stand and we look at a storm, when we stand and we get test results, when we stand and we have a problem, we don't look at it with fear, but we go, hang on a minute. My stones tell me otherwise. I can expect something good because I have seen him do it before and I know that he can do it again. That's how he works. He's a God who does it time and time and time and time again. And if you don't have stones that you can grab a hold of, find someone else's stone and grab a hold of it. Grab someone else's testimony and go, you know what? Hey, God, you broke through for them. So I'm going to take hold of that. And I'm going to believe that for my life. I saw a healing with that person. I'm going to believe that for my life because you do it again. Somebody else's breakthrough can become your breakthrough. Knowing that God is good ensures that we don't have to perform for his love. Because of God's goodness, he has provided us with promise, prophecies and testimonies to be an anchor during all seasons of life. Testimonies remind us of what he has done and promises and prophecies remind, of, remind us of what he's going to do.
Let's go home and grab a hold of that. And I know that we speak about it a lot up here and it's not just so we tick a box and we sound all wonderful, but it's true. Testimonies is what we need to take a hold of. Prophecies is what we need to take a hold of and go, hang on a minute, God, you know, you promised me this. I remember sitting up the front here, 40 weeks pregnant, seven days about to burst at a prayer and worship night and Lee pulled me up the front sat me down and said, guys, prophesy over this baby in her belly. And it was Willow. And I remember those prophetic words that people heard from God and declared and spoke out over her life. So when things got shaky, I had to stop and go, hang on a minute. Oh, yeah, God, this is what you say about her. My mind can't comprehend it. And I've allowed fear to stand in the way. But God, you, your word is what I need to take a hold of. And as we do that, I can honestly say the tests become easy. Right now, we are still walking through that journey. Nothing has changed. But I am a completely different person because of what he's done and the goodness and the kindness that he's shown me and my family. What I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the prayer team up the front here now if you could come up please so if you're on the prayer team if you're a leader would you come up please and one of my points that I really strongly believe in was contacting people that you trust contacting people that you do life with and just sharing where you're at and asking for help being real and open and honest and there is nothing wrong with that it is not a sign of weakness it's actually a sign of maturity that we can say, right now, it's hurting just a little bit and I need someone to stand with me. And the band's going to play a song in a second. And whilst we are singing, can I ask you just to, to evaluate where you're at? If you're going well, amazing. It is so great. If you're not going well, that's okay because we're here to help. And if you feel comfortable and you would like someone to stand with you, to pray with you, to encourage you, to prophesy over you so that you've got a stone to go, oh, hang on, God sees something else. My thinking's saying this, but God's telling me something else. And you might be struggling to see it, so you might need someone here to say, hang on a minute, I'm gonna call you up and out because this is who he sees you as. This is who you are. This is what you've got to look forward to. This is what he's saying about your situation right now. So I'm going to encourage you, if you feel comfortable, come and get some prayer. Come and just be real. See what God has to say. Band, take it away. Let's stand, guys. Let's worship. Come forward if you like.